Welcome to The Trophy Life, the podcast that asks the question, aside from the awards and medals, what skills and benefits do participants gain from organized competition that offer them an advantage over those who sit on the sidelines? Today, we welcome guest Tim Delinsky. Tim has been a member of Team USA. He retired in 2019 after a nearly 20-year amateur career. He had a major breakthrough, finishing third at the novice level at the national championships, second at junior at the national championships, which earned him a spot on the junior world team. Tim went on to skate at more than a dozen senior international competitions, including two Grand Prix for Team USA. Let's welcome Tim. Hey, Tim. Hi. Did I do your intro justice? Yes, you did. You did. Fantastic. So what have you been up to? You retired in 2019. Yes. And? And so I did Nationals 2019, and then I was on a cruise ship doing shows by the very end of March. The cru- okay, now how do you transition? How do you even find out? Do you have to have a resume? How do you get um, a job on a so, cruise ship? So you have to um, submit audition videos Mm. and then depending on if they like you or not then that you get in but yeah basically there's there's a company that ships uses that you email and they start you with the process for that okay now what kind of you have to you have an impressive resume so Mm -hmm. do you have to be of like that top six at senior to get a job or Oh, no. Um, Show skating is so different from competitive skating. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't even have to be a very good competitor or really compete well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you need to be able to do a few triples, you know, to do on the ships. But um, it's really about how you work with the audience. Mm -hmm. And and it's really about being a showman, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, you don't have to have you know, this expert caliber competition background, Right. Um, you know, if you love skating and you achieved a certain amount of success, um, it's definitely, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an avenue that I think um, skaters should think about exploring. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Where, where did your ship bring you? I mean, I feel like it's the merchant Marines of figure skating, you know, where you're like at a different port, you get to, you know, visit different people. And there's such an eclectic mix of like global representation as guests on Mm -hmm. the ship. So where, where did your ship? um, What was Um, the the ship I was on last year was stationed in Miami, which is home. And then it basically did several different itineraries, uh, Eastern and Western Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So mostly it stayed in the Caribbean and there are ships all over the world. There's ships in Europe, there's ships in Asia. um, And I'm hoping to get on one of those someday. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was tooling around all of the Caribbean last year. Um, Same climate the whole year. (laughs) So. And what are the accommodations like? Do you get picked up by limo? Are they like paparazzi? Like, what is it? (laughs) Tell us what it's like. Because I think we have this distorted idea, right? That you're a star on a ship. No. So, yeah, you you definitely, you're not treated, you know, at least in the overall process, you're not treated, you know, any different than um, any other crew member. (gasps) But what we have over what, 
the performers at least when mm -hmm. I say we um, have over a lot of the other cruise ship staff is that um, we have a pretty good life and a pretty good schedule mm -hmm. work uh, wise, you know, um, we do have a lot of free time, you know, a lot of other cruise ship workers, they work morning to night, all day, every day, no breaks. So, yeah. um, so we're privileged in that respect, but we aren't treated, uh, any differently, I would say. Mm. And do you get to like, I know the food, everyone says, Oh, I gained my 10 pound cruise. <laughs> this is my cruise weight or whatever. Like how is there a healthy section? Like what do you eat with the population of the guests or do you have cruise quarters? Like where? Um, so as a performer, we uh -huh. are uh, given special privileges and they can change depending on ship, depending on who's in charge. Right. Um, but yes, we, we have a crew mess, which we will eat at. Right. Um, and depending on the ship, mostly it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It's not the best, mm -hmm. um, but they do, I think have, you know, a variety of foods to eat. Um, mm -hmm. But we can eat at the specialty restaurants on the ship. Mm -hmm. um, we just have to pay. We have to pay for those. Um, and sometimes we're able to eat in some of the guest buffets, depending mm -hmm. on uh, the rules specifically. But right. yeah, but the only the only thing we have to do is if we are in guest area at all, we have to wear um, our proper uniform. Um, what, and what was day. that? What? So during the day we have or, these. Did you look like you were in the Air Force or something or what? Uh, kind, not really. But okay. like we'll have these Royal Caribbean t-shirts oh, okay. and we have our name tag. So it's it's clear. Uh, that Like we, the love boat. Yeah. <laughs> You're too young for that. But there was a show called The Love Boat. And, yes, um, I am too young. And the bartender um, even looked like he was like an admiral in the military. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we just had to wear our proper uniform whenever we were out in guest area. But other than that, we have free reign. You can go pretty much anywhere. Now, I understand that you were on the ship mm -hmm. when the pandemic broke out. Mm -hmm. Tell us what happened. Because everyone's complaining about, you know, I can only go to the store and I... I can, you know, I, I can only go to the park and run four miles and I can only tell us what you could only do when you were on the ship and for how okay. long. So my ship was special that I, this was the second contract I started because I had two months off and then I started in February mm -hmm. and um, we were coming out, that ship was coming out of a dry dock where they, it was, it's out of service for a while. They fix it up mm -hmm. they take it out of the water. And we had just come back for one cruise. We were on our first cruise after the dry dock. We were in the middle of that first week. And that week was when things were starting to go exponentially up, like yeah. throughout the world. It was become, it was, that's when it exploded. Mm -hmm. um, so we canceled all the cruises. We let the guests off, but didn't get on any more. Um, then... Um, at that time we didn't know there was a lot of like, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. There was a, mm -hmm. we were going to be off for a certain amount of time, I think is what they decided, but they didn't know how long we didn't know wow. if it was going to be a month, you know, whatever. I think the whole world at that point didn't really know how right. long and how big this, this actually was going to be. So, so eventually we were a few weeks without guests, you know, and it was nice in the beginning, you know, we had nothing to do really. Um, but they closed a lot of the areas down the ship 
to try to protect it and keep it looking nice. So like mm-hmm. there really wasn't much to do. And then they decided to put all the crew in lockdown um, in just to see in we, they put us all in our um, cabins um, and they gave us, they gave us all guest cabins at that point, which was good. So we had at least some kind of window. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, I was lucky enough to get a balcony, which was really nice. But they basically wanted to see if any, throughout that one first cruise we had where we had the guests mm-hmm. on, if any of the coronavirus got on the ship at all. And so we did a full two-week quarantine, everybody in their cabins, to see if any cases popped up. Mm-hmm. Um, the the food and beverage staff, the, there was a few people that still had to wow. work in order to bring everybody food every meal. We had food, you know, hands down to them because that must have been really hard. They were working really hard for two weeks straight. Um, but luckily our ship ended up not having any cases at all. Um, so we were allowed out of our rooms, but even after that point, uh, we were supposed to wear masks anytime we were out of our cabin. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had to social distance as well. So they were just being very safe. Um, but the whole experience, it was kind of crazy fun, Mm -hmm. but by the end, you know, when you're stuck on there, I was stuck on there from the time that we had no guests. And to the time I got off, it was two full months. And by the end, I was just ready to go. Everybody was, because uh, there wasn't anything to do. You know, I joke yeah. that um, people were like, oh, it must have been great to be stuck on a cruise ship, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yes, in the beginning, but you can get mm-hmm. used to anything. And I got sick of that balcony ocean view, actually, because it's mm-hmm. the only thing I could see. Right. And when I finally came home, I was so thrilled to see trees and grass. Dirt. Yeah. and dirt and smell it too <laughs> like I was like I remember coming back and being like mm-hmm. like I could smell the springtime too and it was right. just so it was almost euphoric it just wow. you know, smelling it so it was really great but it was a cool experience that I will remember forever well that you know something came out of that isolation for you because you gained you know respect for things that perhaps you could have taken for granted like dirt and grass and freedom yeah. to run right yeah. because i'm sure you really Go couldn't to the do store. <laughs> yes or just you know say thank you to people right so that mm-hmm. you, you know say hello and good morning um so in skating let's take take us back to your competitive days and how, what, how would you describe your competitive mindset? Like, how did you push yourself through? First of all, did you ever have like a competition anxiety? And if you did, like, what was your go plan, you know, to work yourself through that? Um, so I feel like, like a lot of skaters, when you start out and you're a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, and you go out to compete and you're like just this happy little puppy and it's just mm-hmm. everything's easy and you're excited yeah. to go show people. Yeah. So, you know. It starts out like that. And then as you get older, you know, you become, you know, around the teenage years and mm-hmm. you, like everybody, you finally right. realize you're like, wow, this is a lot of pressure. There's people watching me, yeah. you know, your adult brain sets in. And so I did start to feel a little bit more anxious, nervous, and less, you know, normal nerves at mm-hmm. some point. Um, but one of the things that I always tried to remind myself was um, that I love to do it, that I love to show people my passion for skating. So I always tried to remind pe- myself of that. Um, and also just the mindset of take it one thing at a time. Yes. Um, one thing at a time, you know, 
constantly, you know, psychologists are like, keep your mind on the present. You know, your mind doesn't work well in the past or the future. Mm -mm. Um, So keeping, taking it one thing at a time. Um, And a lot of the times when I skated my best, Mm -hmm. I was completely in the present. I wasn't thinking about what I had done or what was coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that I always try to remind myself. And sometimes it didn't always work, even though that's what I was trying to think about. Um, but yes, if I would take away anything, I would say one thing at a time. Um, remind us of a competition that you were in, that you were in that zone where you were just landing and landing and then people were on their feet before that last spin. Yeah, I would say for me, that would be the, my Skate Canada Long program mm-hmm. that I did in 2015 mm-hmm. was probably the best single skate that I ever had. Um, Canadian audience is awesome. Yeah, yes. they're yeah. really hey, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. mm, they, <laughs> but, um, they love skating. It's always yeah. so invigorating to be in the audience with Canadians. Yeah, in Canada. Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed my experience. Um, but yeah, I, I was totally, it almost felt like I was in a trance, so to mm-hmm. speak, mm-hmm. at least in that instance. And I feel yeah. like, you know, that doesn't happen all the time and you don't have to skate well to be in that. But like, and I was mad from mm-hmm. not skating well on the shorts. So mm-hmm. I was really fueled by anger and in a trance. But like, it was almost like I didn't think at all. I was just right. doing, you know, just doing, you know, your body. I think a lot of the time skaters forget that, you know, you train so hard, your body knows what to do and you just have to trust it. I feel like that's kind of where a lot of the hangups happen is, you know, you don't trust yourself. Right. When you trust yourself, then you're confident. Right. Hmm? And the training that you've been doing. And the training. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't realize what an incredible machine you are and to just trust yourself. I've heard that like from other athletes that they say that when they, their best skates have come, from j- instead of doing it for like in mm-hmm. not doing it for the medal or for the qualifying whatever or for mm-hmm. the prize money they just do it and sometimes yeah. it takes that it takes like that you know the short program that has no jumps you know that you're like wall jump uh oh i hope they i hope they think that was just fancy footwork i'm going to try and <laughs> i'm going to try and do an axle over here and then you don't do it and you know you just have one of yeah. those nightmare that you think like please let me wake up i know i'm in kiss mm-hmm. and cry but i think i'm actually in bed right i'm not really here and yeah, i'm sure that <laughs> i've witnessed them from yeah i've never co- been a competitive skater but I do. I have seen that expression where people are just in disbelief that they didn't recognize they were in someone else's body, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's the next skate after that that they just show up and yeah, they do it and because it, they can. It's kind of one of those things where it sounds simple, you know. Yeah. You just don't think and trust yourself, but and it is. Right. And it's easy to kind of say, okay, well, that's all you have to do. But in reality, it can be a little bit more difficult than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there really is something to that. I think um, that when you just trust yourself and trust your hard work and your training and you're just be, you're just there. Um, right. 
Right. You're not win. in that next moment. Like, are people going to clap or, you know, am I going to, yeah, no, am I going to get that extra GOE on this? Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I, and those kinds of skills is what I am impressed with, with that competitive participation, because it's those kinds of skills that you are actually connecting to something in the moment that I think serve people when they leave competitive sport, competitive mm -hmm. academics, you know, when they go into a profession, or even a, a, you know, a hobby or some sort of, um, you know, side work, that they can mm -hmm. use those uh, habits that were developed in competition. So yeah. how, how would you say that skating helped you cope with being isolated for two months? Well, I would say a lot of skating and a lot of, you know, this quarantine that we're all in is, mm -hmm. you know, in skating, there's a lot of things that happen outside of your control and that skating teaches you. The only thing you can control is the way you skate on this day and at this time. You know, mm -hmm. you can't control what the judges think of you. You can't control, you know, how the other skaters skate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that can relate at least especially into this quarantine situation that we're all in, you know, that it's not in our control. Like right. we can't do anything about it. And especially for me on the ship and even through, when I got off the ship and, you know, I've had all this free time right. and while it's been great, you know, since I've been go, go, go my whole life, having all this downtime is I'm tired of it now. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, I had kept having to come back to myself and saying, you know, you can't control it. it it's the way it is. Mm -hmm. So the best thing you can do is just enjoy it while you have it. Like, right. don't take this for granted. You know, d you know, there's things that you can find to do whether I was stuck on the ship or at home now mm -hmm. um, that you can better yourself. You can continue to work, you know, but also, you know, just be in the moment and enjoy it while it happens mm -hmm. because you, you know, I've heard stories, all the people, you know, saying, oh, you know, I've been able to see family that I haven't mm -hmm. gotten to see, you know, I've got to spend time with them, you know. Right. So like thinking about those things and being thankful for that and knowing that I can't change it, you know, I might as well make the best of it kind of mentality. I no, think that's important. You know, something and that, that skating has also taught me as well. And I think when if you walked away from a competition, you know, a coach might say to you, now, you know. You know, now you know, mm -hmm. like, if you're the first step after the sh after the six minute warm up to cool it down that last minute, don't like mm -hmm. skate your heart out and try three extra triple jumps and so that your heart yeah. is racing when you start the program. Like, now you know. Yeah. So, or if you're one of those people that don't like being first after the six minute warm up and, right. you know, keeping that and dragging that around with you and throughout, you know, whenever and yeah. you're like, oh man, I'm, you know, instead of dragging that with you, you just accept it, say, I can't mm -hmm. change it. This is the way it is. Right. And move on, you know? Now, so. you're a musician. Yes. What, I want to know other secrets that you might have kept from all of your... First of all, what is the craziest question you ever got asked from a fan? I would say... Um, I don't know if I have any really crazy, like mm -hmm. some... Um, exactly, but... Um, Something that's popping into my head right now is, is, uh, cause you know, I could do a backflip before I retired and, you know, right. I post videos doing it and I would do it in shows and people would be like, what well, is the backflip really hard? 
It must be really hard because it's a backflip. Right. And, and I would always be like, no, it's easier than doing a jump. At least I think so. I mean, yeah. rotating one time this right. way is way easier than rotating. That you can spot, right? You can actually yeah. spot it because I was a gymnast. Yeah, you can spot mm-hmm. where you're going. You can't. In, yeah. Um, and there's no jump. half doing it. You either do it or you don't. Right. So right. that's always a question that I, I always chuckle to myself when people ask me. But I will say, though, for you, it is difficult to do something when you're used to rotating a certain way and it to is. rotate yes. in that yes. kind of direction. Yeah. For sure. Like the learning process is very hard. Because um, didn't you, did you always try and go over your shoulder? Like when you were, because I've seen kids try to practice. Easy, I had a fairly easy time learning it because I could tumble off the ice. Oh, okay. So I could do it off the ice already. All I needed was just some, some people Transfer. with ropes, some insurance yeah. Yeah. while I, you know, I needed some, some courage mindset so okay. I could just do it. Yeah. But I know for a lot of people, it can be a very, it can be a struggle. Yeah, um, but once you master doing the backflip, right? It's everybody, I think everybody would agree it's easier than doing a triple, at least. So, hmm. well, it's it's a showstopper, and if you have a backflip in your repertoire, you have a uh, leg up, I guess, right? Yes. Um, on the competition at auditions for shows, yeah. I would encourage anybody who's serious about skating or thinking about going into shows, guy mm-hmm. or girl. Mm-hmm. Um try to learn that backflip because it is a really good skill to have in your back mm-hmm. pocket. Mm-hmm. They need people. <laughs> now what, um, so about your music, how did, yes. were you able to, did you have any kind of instrument with you when, do you have a guitar or piano or anything like a electric keyboard with you on the cruise? I uh, no. Um, usually what I try to do is I, cause they have pianos all over the ship. You just mm-hmm. have to, I've learned you have to, um, come in contact and make friends with the people that, mm-hmm. you know, the music directors, cause they have those, you know, cause a lot of them are locked, you know, you have mm-hmm. to become friends with the right people to get access right. to them. You know, that's kind of the thing. Um, and throughout my times, you know, I haven't been on ships that long, but I've, I've learned the best times and the best people to ask about, to go about doing that. So I was able to play still for the most yeah. part, um, so that was always really nice. Mm-hmm. When did you start playing and what instruments do you play? Because I, I know I'm not if people think I know a lot about skating, which I don't know a lot about skating. Um, <laughs> but and people actually think that um, I'm super athletic because, you know, I have mm-hmm. athletes in the family and and I let them think that and I let them think I'm really bright in math because all my kids are good in math. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's not true. But how? um when you were um, uh, practicing, w- how did you know, like, you were ready to walk away from uh, um, the amateur sport into professional sport? Um, I think it's something that comes up a lot throughout a skater's career. You know, right. there's a time where you're struggling or whatever. Everybody always asks themselves, you know, oh, is it time to quit or do I do I not love this anymore? And, you know, most of the times, you know, and that was even starting to happen as a teenager, you know, right. Things were getting difficult. Um, but so those, those moments pop up a lot. And most of the time, like the majority of the time, which is why I keep going, it's, you have that thought and you're immediately like, no, it's, even though it's hard right now, like, yes, I still want to do it. I still, there's things I want to do. Um, 
but I think the more that that, and that would, that would pop up every few years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the more often it starts to happen um, or also the, the, the desire to do something else starts to come in as well. There's like this overlap that then you might seriously start thinking about maybe it's time to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe still that competitor and you still have these goals and even, you know, maybe I really may not enjoy myself. I still want to go because of that, you know, that just is hypothetical, but like for me, um, I would say I started having that a lot more the last few years that I skated. Um, and for me, the big thing was, uh, my body, um, Mm -hmm. and injuries. And I was lucky. I've been lucky my whole skating career that I've never had any, too many major injuries. Uh, right. The only things that I've had trouble with is stress fractures, um, which can slowly crop up. And the only way to stop them is to stop Rest. whatever it is you're doing completely, which no athlete wants to do. Oh. Um, and so I kind of had moments the last few years in my skating career where I knew I was starting to develop these. They weren't there yet, mm-hmm. but I was, I was, you know, my body was giving me the warning signs. Right. And it kept happening more and more frequently the last few years that I skated. And finally, I, towards the very end, I had to realize that, you know, for me, mm-hmm. um, the rest of my life is ultimately more important than, you know, wow. achieving, you know, a goal or a certain, having a certain result. Um, I was kind of looking long-term and I, and the last thing I wanted to happen was, you know, to be injured to the point where I may not be able to do something the rest of my life. Or I may, you know, cause I want to be skating has taught me a lot of things, but one of the things it's taught me is, you know, an appreciation for the importance of being active right. and the love of being active. Um, so I want to continue that into the rest of my life. And I feel like with the demands on the sport that they are now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, with the men and the women doing multiple quadruple jumps. In um, combination. In combination. What? It's just the demands on the sport yeah. are are starting, I feel like, to become the limit of mm-hmm. you know, what humans can do. And while they can do them, I feel like the window is smaller and smaller, the time yeah. that people can do these things. And so for me, coming back around, yeah. it was... I had to decide, this was more important to me um, than uh, trying to achieve something in, in skating. Right. Um, so I was looking long, long-term. I wanted to be able to be active the rest of my life. And so that was kind of what led me the, with the decision to quit. Um, well, you know, like you were saying, I, I, I when somebody's in their, tw- you know, 20s, mid-20s, they... I have seen more athletes um, start crossing or overlapping their passions. And -hmm. sometimes that's where they start studying the technical aspects, thinking like perhaps they'll resume an academic career and perhaps be Mm -hmm. a technical specialist or they'll coach or they'll do something else. You know, they they were like really good at music editing and they'll start doing that or designing, Mm -hmm. you know, making costumes or stoke stoning or styling but with your music toward the end right you started creating and composing original music 
that you were, mm-hmm. first of all, how did you convince your coach? Because I know how difficult it is to go to your coach and say, you know, I want to do Carmina Barana or I, you know, I want to do, um, you know, this other piece, like, uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, all they, the skating pieces are like out of my head. Off, now. Right? Yes. And yeah. I'll, how do you say to your coach, I've composed my own long program, or I've composed my own short program? Like, how do you convince, how do you do it? And then how do you convince them it's the right choice? Um, well, I think it's a testament to my coach that I had for so many years, Debbie Prakar um, mm-hmm. and Brittany Bottoms, both of them, um, that they, I kind of had no pushback from them whatsoever. They knew how talented I was mm-hmm. and they knew my ability. Um, and I think, I honestly don't remember how it happened because I did it two times and one at a Grand Prix, right? Wasn't it one for a Grand uh, Prix? No, I never skated them at a Grand Prix. Okay. Uh, Senior Grand Prix. I did them at Junior Grand Prix. Junior. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I remember I I brought them, I I gave them the idea. I said, you know, look, Mm -hmm. this is kind of a project I kind of work on. Right. Um, And this, the first time I did it, it was actually coming off, you know, a season where I didn't make it to nationals. Right. My first year in junior. Um, And so this was kind of, my coach encouraged it because she was like, this is good. You know, this will keep me engaged while Mm -hmm. and not resting on, you know, my disappointment. And so um, I, they knew I was working on something. And then I think when I, I showed them and played it to them, they were like, absolutely. Like you need to do this. um, Were you telling a story? Were you telling, you know, give me the background. Were you telling a Um, story? So I had no real story with it. um, Mm -hmm because I was just thinking about the music when mm-hmm. I was writing it, both of them, both times. Um, mm-hmm. But it was more of kind of a feeling and a kind of a style mm-hmm. that I kind of went with, with, with both of them at the, at the time. Um, and I was really cool to get to do it because mm-hmm. I feel like not the only other person I've known that, that has done it is Derek Redford. Um, right. I think yeah, he did a so, piece for um Yeah. And Patrick. he wrote for somebody else too. Patrick as well, Chan. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool thing to be able to get to do. And, um, I will look back on those, those times with modernness. So, you know what I see it like, you know, at 30,000 feet, I see your passion for music, um, being introduced to your passion of skating mm-hmm. and for them to say like music meet skating, skating, yeah. meet music, please don't yeah. compete with each other. I want you two to get along fine. You know, no, for sure. And, and uh, this is a whole thing for me, but um, I think, you know, there's a reason that we skate our programs to music right? and we don't just go out there and, you know, skate around and do jumps, you know, without music. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason we do that. And I think it's really important as a skater to listen to music and what is the music telling you to do? Um, I feel like, too often so many skaters um you know they'll have this music and then for example like they'll have this you know big crescendo or crash Mm -hmm. or whatever and they're doing a spin or like they're doing something i'm like no you have to accent it because like when in skating when you use the music Mm -hmm. with a dynamic movement or a jump or whatever it is some kind of move and you, you match it to the music um it's so effective it, yes. it, for me and as a spectator myself, like mm-hmm. I like, I'm like, wow, I love that. Like mm-hmm. so I have that reaction. And so like, 
I think that's something that, that the great people do really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that everyone needs to focus on. And I think, you know, if, if you're trying, if you need to do in your program, like a certain element, a certain time, or you need to, you need the elements to be you mm-hmm. know this certain way, right. Go back to the drawing board musically and try to recut and try to make the music match kind of what you want. Otherwise, you know, I feel like it's really important to do what the music is telling you to do. And if the music's telling you to do something that may be more difficult, then... Did you do your choreography? Um, no. I I had... I always worked with people for choreography. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like as I got older, I definitely started, you know, playing an act more and more active right. role in my choreography. You know, right. starting a little bit and growing. By the end, I feel like it was a good percentage um, and I, I, I was always kind of one of those people that kind of needed just, just a little bit of help, you know, clean up a yeah. little guidance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause we, but I never did my own choreo. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes skaters start, um, putting in, you know, I spoke to, um, David Wilson a long time ago and he was saying when a young choreographer starts out that you, he can recognize their work because they choreograph for themselves. Mm-hmm. They choreograph the stuff that they're really good at. And yeah. a more seasoned choreographer choreographs for that skater. And mm-hmm. I think like one of the most brilliant things that I've seen his work was the dance macabre of Eunice. Yes, I Remember? love that for him. Oh my gosh, that so was good. amazing. So who's, the, who's one of your favorite choreographers that you worked with? Um, so I love doing choreography with my longtime coach, uh, secondary coach, Brittany Bottoms. She mm-hmm. was really good. Um, at uh, doing what was good for me and right. challenging me at the same time. Um, but I would say I the last few seasons I used Ryan Yonke for um, my probably my all time favorite program, my Mumford and Sons Awake My Soul program. Oh, I used him the beautiful. first time for that, and then I used him my last the uh, long that I used for the last two seasons, which I really enjoyed as well. I just love working with him because I feel like mm-hmm. he is the style that I kind of yes. want to be and I'm drawn mm-hmm. to. And mm-hmm. I feel like I remember when I first had the idea that I wanted to work with him, I was like, I just have this feeling and I just know mm-hmm. we're click and it's going to be really good. Um, yeah. And I would encourage a lot of skaters that, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to work with the, 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 you know, the highest or, you know, the most the Olympic level, the most right. well-known mm-hmm. yeah, right. choreographer. Mm-hmm. And while they are very good, I don't think right. you have to do that. I think if you can find somebody that you click with, I right. think, you know, ultimately in the end, that's what's going to bring out the best program. And, you and know, you'll Ryan, have more time to polish it with that person. Yeah, you'll too. have more time mm-hmm. to polish it. And, and, you know, so I feel like you need to go somebody that you connect with mm-hmm. that, that will work with you well. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they necessarily have to be the most well-known in order to to put out a good program, I think so. Right. Uh, But yeah. I think skaters sometimes fear that, right? They fear like, it's almost like wearing like a, you know, a Gucci jacket. Like I feel like it's, Mm -hmm. it adds something to the ambiance of the presentation. Right. But it's not because honestly, most of the, the judges that are, they're randomly selected. And mm-hmm. especially at internationals, and they're from all different countries. They yeah. don't really know the difference between the 
premier work and yeah. someone who's just starting out. I mean, look at exactly. for like Rohin. Rohin has made um, a great name for himself yes. um, as a choreographer and, um, you know, over, over the years. But I mean, when he was just first starting out, he was mm -hmm. a competitor. And, yeah, um, you know, he really had to earn his stripes, so to speak, by um, showing, a you know, really dynamic presentations, all different. So it doesn't look like him all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, that, so that's interesting. So who, you know, Ryan Yonke is a great example of that, those beautiful extended lines. And mm -hmm. I love to take, um, to look at a skater and to be able to, like, draw the connection from the, like the, the line from the head to the shoulder, through the knee to the foot. And yeah. you're one of those skaters that had beautiful, probably still do have beautiful lines. One, how does that happen? Did you have a lot of dance training or is it a natural thing? Um, I had minimal dance training. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's just something that I was naturally good mm -hmm. at, you know, mm -hmm. to an extent, um, later it was something that I tried to focus on. Right. Um, but I think I was lucky just to naturally have this, uh, nice, I guess, body awareness. Right. Uh, or even not awareness. I just, it just happened. So. Alignment. Yeah. You know, yeah. When you have a good back, you have generally, you have good lines, you mm -hmm. know, when you have a hunched back or, or an arched back or rolled shoulders, things are going to get lopsided. So yeah, I think like yeah. you start with a super back. And one thing I was shocked at, and may I, may I say this, that I'm shocked? I thought you were like six feet tall. And the first time <laughs> I met you, I, I thought like, you're not, you're not six feet tall. And yeah. because I always think people will say to me, oh, you know, when they meet Adam, they're like, I thought he was so much taller. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking how... How did you think Adam was so much taller? And I got the same thing when I, when I met you. I thought you and Adam are about the same height. And I thought, mm -hmm. I thought you were six feet tall. So it's, I honestly think it's because of those lines mm -hmm. that you give that illusion. You know, when, you know, when you have your arms out in second position and you're doing this beautiful spread eagle across the ice, you look really big, you know, on the ice. Thanks. So that's, I think that's creates that bigness. You know, where people mm -hmm. think you're six feet, have to be six feet, right? Yeah, and I am not six feet tall. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some fast questions, okay? Okay. So let's see. I have them written here. So just give me some quick answers. What is your favorite jump? The sow cow. Oh. Oh, I've, I've seen you do a quad sow. So that is the only quad I did. <laughs> is that why it's your favorite or it's because no. it, you're so comfortable in the, in the sow? Well, I think it, it's... I just love the way the edge feels going mm -hmm. up and thick. like, and also uh, that's the jump that I can literally, it's the easiest for me to do. Like I never have trouble with it even to this day. So now favorite. is it the easiest or did, have you told yourself this? Cause this is something that like, also I've talked to skaters and they've convinced themselves that they can't do something because mm -hmm. they started telling them like, Oh, I can't do like a, you know, a flip loop. I have to do a flip toe. And, mm -hmm. and then they'll say, and then one day somebody started telling me to do a flip loop and all of a sudden it was easier, but yeah. they've like conditioned themselves to believe something, right? Has that yeah. happened? Um, I think 
that for sure that is a, that is a big thing your mind can can your perspective can right. change limit li- limit and it can yeah. change you know an outcome um i think in my situation with the sow cow mm-hmm. you know it was the quad jump that i did so therefore i put the most time into the technique okay on that jump on just doubles triples that i think that amount of time that i put in had really cemented my brain to body connection with yeah. that jump. And you can do it out of bed. Like I can yeah. go brush my teeth and do a triple sow, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't, but um, okay. Favorite spin. Um, so I think I have two actually. Okay. You're um, I always loved doing my, my uh, change foot combo spin that ended in the headless spin. Okay. Um, Cause That's I just your signature, uh, right? I have to yes, shut that I out. Do that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always put it at the end for a reason because I get so dizzy doing it. Um, oh, but, now we know. But because I love the, we thought it was to get the standing O because a lot of people well, that like too. That yeah, helps. yeah. But uh, I love the fast feeling of like pulling up from the the sit and just whoosh, feeling that like, physics in action. Basically, yeah. is what it is. now does that hurt? Like, is your neck sore afterward or just dizziness? No, just dizzy. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean. Luckily, I'm not doing it for that long, right? Um, or or too too often. Um, so, um, but I would say my other favorite spin, and I I love it because of its simplicity. Mm-hmm. I love doing uh, a back camel and switching to a forward camel. So mm-hmm. I love doing a plain camel camel because I just love the feeling of spinning very fast in that laid out, like stretched out position. Mm-hmm. A nice line. Mm-hmm. And if you do a good camel, there's nothing more beautiful, right? Than a yes. beautiful camel spin. Camels yeah. and laybacks. I yes. Think for sure, like, yes. You know, now, do you do layback? High. Do you do uh, layback? I can do like kind of one. A modified? Probably for a guy, it's probably a good one. But yeah. for the you know a girl's standard, it's not good. <laughs> you know, I remember Adam had a layback in his days. Yeah, and some too. people would pressure like, oh, you know, it's kind of effeminate. You should probably take it out. Plushenko did a layback. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I think it's you know, I think really nice, aesthetically nice position. That I yeah, think especially if you can do a good one. Yeah. yeah? Why not? If you, have, if you have the nice back extension for it. And the nice attitude with the lifted knee. Yeah. Go for it, right? I think that's one of the prettiest spins. In yes. Skates. I agree. Uh, um, okay. What about uh, the best competition, like, geographically? Like, where you got to, like, soak uh, in some culture? I think my favorite was the Junior Grand Prix that I did in Innsbruck, Austria. Oh, okay. I loved it. It was, we were nestled in the little valley in the Alps. Um, yeah. It was really cool. Really cool. Where did you fly into? Do you remember? We flew right into Innsbruck, yeah. Well, okay. we flew through, you know, Vienna. Okay. And then we took a little propeller plane yeah. uh, down well, you kind yeah, of have to, like plane. going to Sun Valley, yeah. Yeah, walk up the plane, you walk down the stairs right yeah. onto the, the pavement. So. Like the Flintstones, I felt like I was in the Flintstones when I went to Sun Valley. We were like on this prop plane, and then it's like, we have to check the winds to see if we can land today. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> what? So, um, the um, your favorite book, favorite book, movie, that is really tough because I'm a big movie and reader. Okay. Um, I can tell you that my favorite series of all time, I'm a big fantasy guy. So my favorite 
like Lord of the Rings, of course, I love it. But my favorite series of all time is a series called The Wheel of Time. Okay. Uh, it's 14 books long. I've read the whole series three times now in what? my life. Yes. During the and pandemic. I will keep it the rest of my life, but it is literally one of the best. If you're into fantasy, read Wheel of Time. Okay. But um, yeah, I can't really pick one. <laughs> It's okay. The genre, though, you do like fa- fantasy fiction, right? So yes. that's yeah. So were you a Harry Potter person? Uh, of course, yeah. Harry Potter yeah. is what got me into reading. My mom read okay. them to me and my little brother when we were kids. So okay, that's where it all started. All right, I'm a. I loved Star Trek, so that's my version of okay, Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Um, the. Uh, favorite skater or program that you didn't do that you saw someone else do from all time like going back to you know Sonia Henney of all time that's mm-hmm. so difficult because there's so many good skaters well just give me two or three then okay so I love basically anything Carolina Costner so I loved her Olympic short program to Ave Marina uh. So good. I loved her bolero. Um, I have to throw that one out of there. Course. Oh my god. So good. Yeah. That Ave Maria was just like she was floating. Um I would say probably guys, I love uh I would say Josh Ferris. I loved <gasps> the sh- his, that short? The short and the Schindler's List program. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, love the Schindler's both. List, yeah. But the short was just so like Yeah. It was over in a blink. Yeah. I just love. And that's I what really, great programs do yeah. when, when yeah. they're over. You're like, I want more. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's yeah. I tend to, you know what? That was a good one. And the classics, you can't go wrong with. Um, I, I just saw um, Nick McCarville's show the other day and they mm-hmm. were showing snippets of uh, um, Christy Yamaguchi. Mm-hmm. And to think like how many years ago that was. And she was doing triple that's triple toe. I know. And you're like, Christy, like, you'd be going to the Olympics now. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was amazing. Um, Now, in I talk about words, and I love to reframe words. So sometimes Mm -hmm. people will say, oh, I regret not doing, or I wish I hadn't, I wish that didn't happen. And I'll say, let's reframe it to say, I'm surprised that happened. But now I know it was to get me this. Mm-hmm. So is there something that perhaps happened to you that was, it opened a door to something else? Um, I think for me, I would have to say, I'm going back to Skate Canada again, but mm-hmm. I would have to say, you know, it was the first Grand Prix experience that I ever had. It was the first time on the ice with you know, you Zuhan, you and a lot of other people, and Adam was there as well. It's Cape um, Canada, okay. Yeah, where, where um, was that in Kelowna or Lethbridge, Alberta? Alberta, okay. Yeah, so way out in the west. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I remember. You know, I had a terrible short program, and of course, I wish that hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. But like you said, that was the catalyst for me. Right. To go on then and have one of the best skates of my life and what I will always go back. And People are yeah. going to YouTube that. Is that available on YouTube? So we're going to do yes. Tim Delinsky, Skate Canada 2015. Is that right? Yes. Okay, terrific. Um, but yeah, so like 
that enabled me to have that amazing right. skate. So I think that's a very good thing to be able to do is to um, go back and change the way you think about things like that. Right. Perspective, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective. Yeah. So Okay. So we're going to wrap up and we're going to just quickly go through those takeaways that your trophy life brought for you. So mm-hmm. w- number one, something that happened like over five years ago is still leaving a solid impression on you yeah. about, yeah, not not doing something for somebody else or something else, right? To mm-hmm. do it for yourself, to trust your training. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times I feel like with skating, we can get so hung up with, you know, wanting to do well, you know, for the approval of others, you know, right. whether that's the skating community or if it's, you know, the association, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's wanting, you know, I want these results so that I can get this and that or whatever. And and right. I think a lot of the times um, skaters and I fell into this trap as well. Um, you know, we want to do good because of that. But right. I think ultimately um, what's going to lend you to have the best results is to skate for yourself and to want it for yourself and do it for yourself, mm-hmm. not because of these people or these things. Um, and then ultimately, I think you'll skate better and then you'll end up getting those things in the end anyway. Right. Um, so you need to be focused on yourself and just, you know, do what makes you happy, you know, do it for you. Right. And then everything else will fall into place. Perfect. You're a philosopher. <laughs> now, you know, you that know, was five years ago. Experience and, uh, and so. That was five years ago. Where are we going to find you in five years from now? Five years from now, mm-hmm. I would like to be probably coming to the end of finally finishing my undergraduate degree. Okay. Um, which I want to go back and I want to switch and do music education Mm-hmm. And I would love to be a music teacher at a school, mm-hmm. um, middle or high school, or, you know, my dream job would be a uh, high school orchestra teacher, I think, because I really love that. And I think I would love teaching it and passing on my passion for music. Um, it's something I think we need more of. So that's and where I would like to be. And you can also coach the skating club, right? Mm-hmm. At the school. Yep. That sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much for, you know, allowing us to come into your life um, during the pandemic and catching us up and telling us how full your life is after skating and that you're still bringing many of those elements of skating into your professional life. And I think um, we need more teachers like you that can truly reflect and want not to just dump what you know into someone else's head, but are willing to listen to see what other people really want and help them connect to those dreams. So thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Well, thank you again for coming today. And that will wrap it up for this episode of this trophy. I almost said the skating life. That's not true. (laughs) That will wrap it up today for this episode of the trophy life. Thank you, Tim. Bye guys. Thank you so much. Bye. For information about what influenced my trophy life, check out my book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self, available on Amazon. As always, you can find me on Instagram 
at krippon. For any questions and comments, and more information about the Trophy Life, feel free to check me out at kellyrippon.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.